This is Jim Pruitt, and you listen to another episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. So I farm so hard, the employees want to find me, and then want to hire me. What's a hundred k to a guy like me? Could you please remind me? Farm so hard, this ain't easy. Working late nights, you best believe me. My grades can only go ace. Never want to see another B on some Jay Z. What's good, fam? It's your host, Jim Pruitt, a.k.a. Farm D and E. They're going to bring you another episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. Today, we have probably the most special episode I've ever done in my entire life. I have some of the most important people in my background, in my in my life, I would say from the farmer's perspective. I have Brian Gilbert and Megan Reck. And these are going to be the people who are really behind a lot of the if you think it's pretty cool, it's because those people thought it was cool to help me in the background. This is episode 100, and I want to get them on because I want to talk about something that we've all heard about and thought about for the last probably four or five days. Again, pharmacists being called out and basically being said that we're, we're not doctors. And I'm just going to go ahead and start off by letting our guests introduce themselves very quickly. Shout out again where they're at, the things that they're doing, and then we're going to go ahead and jump into the episode. We'll start with you, Brian. What's up, nephew? Living the dream, baby. Episode 100. (laughs) Oh, man, it's good to be back. Uh, So my name is Brian Gilbert. I'm an emergency medicine pharmacist and uh, PGY2 residency program director at Weston Medical Center in Wichita, Kansas. Happy to hear. Be Recording here. in progress. Megan. Hi, guys. Uh, Megan Reck. Uh, very excited to be here. I am an emergency medicine pharmacist and research director at Loyola University Medical Center outside of Chicago. Perfect. So let's go ahead and jump into this. We have the big dogs on, guys. So if you guys are listening, you know you have some legit people that's on to talk about something that comes up. And I want, I'm just going to go ahead and if you haven't heard it, you haven't read about it, um, we're going to make sure that we kind of just let you guys know. So I'm not going to say the name, so you guys can go ahead and look it up. One of our physicians said, how do you tell a medical doctor, real doctors, reluctant to state their doctors in the public social forum, non-MD slash DOs take every opportunity to say that they're a doctor, chiropractors, naturopaths, pharmacists, apothecaries, and charlatans. Um, I had to go back and look what, what what everyone does. But again, that was the group that we're put in. And it definitely caused some 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 viral moments in the in the Twitter space. Uh, we'll go ahead and post that on. But I just want to start off and just kind of, you know, mention it and see, like, you know, what are you guys thoughts on that? What was your first thoughts? Again, everyone kind of posted on it. But what were you guys first thoughts? Megan, what, what, what do you think the first time you seen that tweet? You know, it it precipitated an automatic eye roll because I feel like we have this circuitous debate that comes up every now and then, especially originating in emergency medicine. It's not a surprise to me that this physician, even though it appears she's an administrator now, um, started in EM because it, it really feels like historically they've had to fight for their place. And so they're very, um, reluctant to make a space for us nationally, it feels like. And it feels like we're behind. We've actually, we've done some research to show that compared to other specialties like critical care, like infectious diseases, EM pharmacists, though we're some of the most collaborative practices at the bedside, we are farthest behind or one of the farthest behind when it comes to national representation. So all of this just kind of brought up those feelings for me of like, this is why we have to fight. 
to get our place. This is why we have to keep pushing our agenda nationally to uh, represent EM pharmacists on guidelines and within national EM organizations. So uh, I think we need to, you know, put a stop to this kind of um, this kind of rhetoric. Absolutely. Brian, what was your thoughts? My first thoughts when I saw it was, man, whoever wrote this, it must have been like an old, like old time person, never worked with a pharmacist before. And, uh, you know, it, it's certainly like maybe in a, in a rural hospital area that just like never had access to a pharmacist. And so I was like really surprised to look at this this person's uh, in this physician's background to see that one, they're younger and two, they had a background that would have placed them in the position to work with a pharmacist every day. Um, and so it was kind of just shocking to see the, the little, the, like the level of disrespect. I, I'll, I'll just say it like it is. It was, just, it was disrespectful. Um, I, I do think the person was trying to just be funny. Um, and in this day and age, unfortunately, people uh, really don't get too many second chances on Twitter and social media, and things like that. So I try to approach it with a little bit of grace to start with. But um, you know, as the person continued to bear down and continually made repeated tweets about the, the, the original tweet, it was getting harder and harder to sort of defend. Um, I think I said something to, to the fact that I'm giving the person the benefit of the doubt. And Megan was just like, nah. you know, I, that was very nice of you, but I, I certainly, <laughs> certainly not sure uh, I agree with you. But, and as that occurred, I, I, I thought, you know, maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I should, I, I don't know. It was, I, I believe really, I said again. You're a better person than I. Am. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> which the is level, the common theme. <laughs> just the, the level of disrespect. Yeah, you know? and, and, it's and hard like to I overlook. Said, it's hard to be the bigger person when you're getting thrown in with pseudoscience practices that you know. When we really try to practice evidence based medicine, and we're repeatedly, you know, kind of cast in that light. Yeah, I think the yeah, biggest thing for me, it was just it was a trash take. It was it's certainly a trash take. And, um, you know, I think one thing, instead of focusing on the negative aspects of it, I did like the idea of how many people, one, like outside of pharmacy came to defend pharmacists in general, and specifically EM pharmacists. Um, but even two, you know, there's this, this thought that a lot of pharmacists nowadays, especially post-pandemic, are sort of apathetic towards the, the profession and uh, advocacy has been down. And that was certainly not the case. If you pick a fight with pharmacists, um, you know, we'll come after you. I mean, <laughs> we certainly rose to the occasion on that end. And uh, um, I, was, I was certainly proud to see the advocacy efforts on that end. Yeah, that was something that was pretty big. One of the things I thought about was I, I know like what happens at the bedside and just like, you know, me being able to not just be at my bedside, but, you know, last year going on a tour and seeing, you know, eight other EDs and how the, the respect and just the collaborative practice that was there. There's been moments where I would go to a code, the physician would give me a report and say, hey, what, what should we do? Not because I'm just the smartest person, but again, he knew that based off the recognition of the problems that they had and a recognition of the knowledge that, you know, that pharmacists can have, us working together to figure out the game plan was going to be great. And there's been times where that, that happened consistently. Consistently. And it's like, it just, it's so, it's so crazy to me to think that. And I know that like, I'm, I, I know I'm just a, I'm a decent pharmacist. There are people who are doing much more, not just at the bedside, but from a research perspective and from an administrative perfection, uh, education, like all these things we're doing with them and everyone's appreciating it. And then someone who, a, a ED that I visited, 
the, the place where she trains, the ED that I visit and spent all day and seeing my, firsthand what those pharmacists are doing. And more importantly, I spent a significant amount of time with the, the uh, EM physician leadership and just being at cases and going to trauma, seeing these and just seeing it myself. It was very surprising to, to see and hear that. Uh, being close with the current PGY2 resident that's there, it's like it was just very intriguing to see all of that. So I think if if people haven't understood and those who don't necessarily understand the the training we go through, uh, I just want to like remind people it's like we're, again, there's nothing wrong with having an AA degree. But again, someone asked me, "Hey, is pharmacy an AA degree?" I was like, "Absolutely not." Like, do we not have doctorates? Do we not undergo you know postgraduate training? And then even after that, again, I think about this. What about all the work that is not classified under something? Like how many hours have you guys, you know, trained yourself and others to build the expertise up? So I want to kind of touch on that for a second. You guys can just mention it's the rigorous education and training that we have to undergo to even be in the same position. Yeah, I, I you know, one, one of the things that always stands out when you talk to most pharmacists is that, uh, and you kind of touched on it, is that we do so much. Um, and we're often asked to do things outside of really what most would consider either our scope or even within our department. So, um, you know, I, I won't touch as much on on like our actual practices and, and things like that, because I think those speak for themselves. The research component, Megan certainly can ha- speak to that a lot more uh, than I can. But, you know, I think about anytime there's a problem at my facility, oftentimes if there's medication related or not. Pharmacy is always asked to, to evaluate the processes or evaluate what's going on just because we are so good at data analytics and so good at terms of leadership and, and process improvements. And so those type of things uh, kind of get undersold um, usually by pharmacists in general. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, one, of the, one of the worst things that we have in terms of our profession is a PR problem. Um, and so having, having these types of podcasts and have these types of forums to be able to advocate for ourselves or at least other places where we can are, are great steps, but uh, certainly there's some other things that we need to consider moving forward. But um, yeah, I think I think those are just some things that I, that come to mind initially is that we are the unsung problem solvers of many health uh, health systems that uh, really don't get the recognition we deserve, and, and honestly, that's halfway our fault just because we aren't uh, you know the the cloud chasers. But in terms of research, I mean, we're talking to the EM. Pharmacy and, and total pharmacy research queen. So I bow down before her. <laughs> well, thanks. I uh, I collaborate a lot. It's a team effort. A lot of times with you. So um, it's definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely not all me. But uh, yeah, I mean, research in terms of uh, fitting that in. You know, a lot of times it's in on top of like a busy clinical schedule, and you can't get anything done while on service. You know, it's it's so distracting to, to fit anything, uh, into your shift in the ED. So a lot of it for, you know, most people in EM, it's, it's taking it home and doing it before or after the shift or, you know, whenever you can carve out time. So yeah, we have so many pillars, uh, across the country in EM pharmacy practice that are continually trying to, you know, push the agenda, push practice forward nationally. Uh, and so it's really disappointing and disparaging to see, uh, you know, it, it kind of coming across so disrespectfully um, when we're really, I think we've seen a lot of motion in terms of national representation, in terms of um, 
publications and things like that over the last decade, even, you know, EM specialty as a whole uh, is relatively new on the scale of things. And so we've seen a lot of growth. And and so I, I think, you know, comments like that are not productive and we'll just continue to try to advance practice and push things forward. Perfect. That's what I, and I really want to kind of take this same thing and transition into kind of the integral role that we have from a, a, a guideline development. You kind of touched on it a little bit, but I really want to kind of dive a little bit more into like exploring this role of how EM pharmacists can be involved in developing and upda- updating EM guidelines. And I know, Megan, you've done some work on this. We've kind of come back to you and shift to Brian and emphasizing like their expertise and the contributions. I really want to touch on if we, again, what the current state is and talk about, again, the value that we can have. And this can be like a, a place where we can kind of explore this among uh, and share this with other EM physicians and, and, and organizations. Sure, I, I can start. Um, we did a paper uh, that was published, I think, in the last year in AJHP, looking at EM guidelines. So we took all EM organizations, national orgs, uh, and we looked at byline authorship as a PharmD only on guidelines that pertain to uh to pharmacotherapy. So we're not interested in trying to be byline authors on diagnostic guidelines, you know, only things where we're providing specific recommendations about medications. And we had an abysmal rate of participation. It was, it was something like less than uh, 10% of guidelines. I think there were six guidelines in total that had a pharmacist uh, on the byline and about 2.6%, I believe, of authors were pharmacists. Um, so that's a really disappointing statistic. I think when you look at other specialties that are a little farther along than we are, um, take, for example, the Society of Critical Care Medicine, which now has metrics in place to make all of their guidelines multidisciplinary uh, moving forward. And so, you know, they, they've also come a long way from, from where they were a couple decades ago, but they're much farther ahead than we are. So we need to continue to, to work to show our expertise. Um, and the way that we do that that is through things like this, through platforms like this, uh, through continuing to do research, through submitting proposals uh, for national talks at um, you know organizational meetings, um, and continuing to try to show up so that we can demonstrate that we deserve to be there and that our patients are better when we are represented. We bring a different perspective. Absolutely. What's your thoughts on this, Brian? Yeah, I, it, I mean, it just makes sense. And you take, you know, steps back to think about if you have a medication related uh, guideline to have a pharmacist uh, present. I mean, oftentimes, especially in the EM and critical care world, um, you know, we are the medication experts that are are consulted, you know, from the very get go. So if we're the bedside expert, we should be the guideline expert as well, um, or at least included in that. Additionally, too, EM um, in practice is just so uh, abundant and varied throughout the country, even from state to state, even within interstate, um, there's such a, a, a varied difference that um, you need representation of, of not only just like different professions, but you need it within different uh, you know, practice settings too, like in community settings, academic settings, mm-hmm. you know, rural health settings, and all those, all those different things. Um, you know, one of the things that's really kind of interesting to look at the parallels between guideline representation for pharmacists and as it relates to like health system representation of pharmacists, you know, and, and when you look at like overall, like the totality of leadership for pharmacy, for the most part, unless you're at like a huge, large academic center, 
the majority of times it stops at director of pharmacy, when in reality, the COOs, the, the CEOs, those type of things are, are, we're asked by those top tier people to fix a lot of the problems within health systems. And so, you know, part of the, part of the things that's kind of interesting to me is to see not only there not be representation on the guideline uh, academic side of things, but also within health systems. And then there's sort of parallels, you know, with it. And so as soon as we begin to gain reputation, either in one of them or both of them, or, you know, whatever it takes, I think that we can kind of uh, move ourselves up uh, overall as a profession if we start to get and um, be recognized in these positions. Absolutely. And I think one of I'd also be remiss, I'm going to give a shout out to Megan because she's not said it yet in terms of research and organizations, but she started, she saw a gap within the, within uh, the representation and is a co-founder of the EM FarmNet, which is basically a research organization dedicated to EM pharmacy. So shout out, Megan. Shout out, Brett Fain. Perfect. And one of the things I want to kind of highlight, again, you guys mentioned these key things. And I, I think about like what happens at our institutions. And if there's a sepsis issue, I was involved in it from a system level. If there was a sickle cell, all these things I was involved in. And it really started to show and I would listen to some of the conversations and it can be something that's very simple to us that's missed, uh, can, can completely missed. And it's like, oh, how come these medications aren't, you know, administered a certain way? And it's like, well, you guys don't do IV push antibiotics and we have no 50, 100 cc bags. That's a very easy fix. And it's like, oh, OK. So like you sit in those meetings and kind of figuring out there are small pharmacy related issues that again you have to be there to understand that can help from an overall perspective. And I think understanding all of those and pharmacists sit at a very unique position to understand not just the, you know, the, the data behind it, but like kind of the, the, the doing part of it as well. And, and marrying those two, I think EM pharmacists and pharmacists in general have just a special viewpoint that if utilized correctly, this don't, this won't just be from an evidence-based standpoint. This, these are things that are actually going to impact patient care. And for, you know, those that are part of leadership, it's going to affect the metrics as well. Uh, we've all been part of projects that's been again, shown to one small tweak here has completely changed the metrics. So I think us being involved in creating EM guidelines from a national standpoint and from a local and state component can really change patient care and everyone can win from that standpoint. So uh, I'm, I'm happy that, again, we're starting in that role. And I'm hoping that, you know, this platform and many other platforms similar can provide that, 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 that mold and that just experience. But I want to transition here. So we mentioned like research and, and a lot of the, the background from a guideline standpoint, I want to kind of transition to kind of be a little bit more picky here and talk about just leadership roles in general. And I know that we've been trying to, Brian, you, you just got done serving as president of organization. Megan, you've been heavily involved in some things. And I want to really kind of go through and kind of talk about how, how like the importance of having EM pharmacists and leadership role and connecting that to the need for representation in national organizations. We can start with you, Megan. Yeah, I mean, uh, as as someone that served in a number of leadership roles, mostly within the Society of Critical Care Medicine, I I can see how important it is uh, to have a seat at the table when you're talking about everything that goes on with how the organization uh, directs their activities, directs their funding for resources for research. Uh, and uh, just provide services to their members. So whether that is national conferences uh, through 
speakers that they're selecting and things like that. So I've I've learned a lot of valuable lessons kind of growing up uh, through SCCM. And part of that has helped me to see that we have this void in emergency medicine, right? We don't have a place where we can uh, all go as EM pharmacists and meet together. We have a number of pharmacy organizations like ACCP is great. ASHP is great. They have EM groups within them. But we don't have a place where we actually have a seat at the table uh, in emergency medicine where we have like a pharmacist section, for example. And so that's something that we're trying to change and that we're trying to get more involved with, uh, starting with our Empower RX conference uh, at SAEM coming up uh, this month, later this month in like two weeks. Mm -hmm. So we're really excited for that. And we hope that that's the first step towards kind of bridging that gap and getting more national um, involvement in an EM organization. A lot of our EM orgs right now, we can't even be a member Mm -hmm. of. Like ASEP, for example, you know, ASEP is the biggest organization in emergency medicine, and it's very difficult to get involved with because it's it's only it's physician led, it's only physician members. There are very few pharmacists that have been able to kind of infiltrate their um, speakers at at their conference, um, two that I can think of. Uh, and so we we've got you know we've got to start somewhere, and I think SAEM is really uh, has welcomed us and has been very very uh, open-armed about letting us come in, have our conference with them, and try to grow our platform there. So that's something that I'm really excited about. I think it'll be really good for EM pharmacy practice. Perfect. Good thoughts, Brian. Yeah, shout out SAEM on that. I really do think that, and kudos to to Jimmy and Megan on this, because they they have put in a lot of hard work to to build that relationship, which I think it's going to be extremely fruitful for uh, not only just uh, EM pharmacists, but I really do think it's going to be fruitful for the physicians that go to that conference as well. So I really hope that we can get some people trickling in that were uh, maybe just curious at first about EM pharmacy and what we do. And once they see the work that we produce, I think that we're going to be continually offered and asked to be uh, at the table, as Megan said. And and she brings up a good point and, and something that's pretty interesting to me is we do have pharmacy organizations where there is like a sliver of that uh, uh, organization and a piece of that, or at least a, a, a you know part that is dedicated to emergency uh, medicine. But in general, like the overall theme is really you're you're fighting for resources in that setting, and so it's really difficult to uh, obtain that when you're going against other other prof- not other professions, but other disciplines that really want. The same resources, and so, you know, in terms of, I I just recently finished up a, a policy review for uh, ASHP in terms of uh, a, a policy that would affect, uh, you know, not only uh, a lot of uh, emergency medicine but adult and pediatric. So it's, you know, in terms of some of these things, when we are essentially asked to uh, be a part of these organizations currently we're only representing like such a minority voice. And so having an organization that we could call our own and have its own voice, whether it be loud or not loud, is, is certainly uh, up to us. But um, I think that one of the things this tweet is is extremely, uh, or the, going back to the original uh, sort of topic, this, this tweet that uh, showed me is that when you put us all together, especially EM pharmacists in general, we can become extremely uh, vocal and extremely uh, dedicated to the profession and advocate for for ourselves um, 
And all we really need is a collective place to do that, uh, a sort of a funnel to bring up, bring all of our voices together uh, and either have that uh, entities uh, operate in a, in a silo where we're uh, by ourselves or at least offer a seat at, at the proverbial national organizational tables. And so, uh, you know, it, it was the tweet was disheartening, but the response was extremely uh uh, encouraging, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think that's the biggest thing. And, and I'm going to be frank out. This is something that I've been thinking about for a while. And we, we spoke about it before. And I think realistically, you know, everyone knows my heart when it comes to EM pharmacists. And I've, I've tried to dedicate everything I can to that. And just there's so many phenomenal people and so much great leadership within. I believe that there's going to be a place for us at one period of time um, for allow us to not just organize, but to be able to say, hey, this is all we were speaking for EM pharmacists on this particular issue. And if these kind of subjects come up or these kind of tweets come up, it'd be great to say, you know, the Society for Emergency Medicine Pharmacists have reviewed this and this is our response. And I think that's something that I'm, I'm intrigued with. And it's something that I'm pretty sure that people will be talking about in, in, in the coming future. So I won't discuss too much of that. But again, it's something that Organizing and having great leadership. Again, I'm talking to one of the, some of the greatest leaders right now. Em is how can we can kind of get that. But again, I want to hit is another section. We talked about research and guidelines. We talked about organizations and how we can be impactful there. I think one of the things that I, I've been fortunate to be part of, and you guys have been very involved with over the last few years, is kind of discussing how uh, this this conference and, and the role of conferences in education in itself is going to be important because I think that's the one spot I think we have right now. I think we provide a lot of education and I think this conference is going to be, again, a, a huge direction for that. Um, but I want to kind of just, Megan, you spoke on it a little bit, but I kind of want to allow for just a little small snippet for how again, Empire RX, and especially going from last year, the huge response and then going to this year and the, the trajectory of this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think <laughs> we were all in the planning committee last year and we were shocked at the turnout. It was just amazing. And it really told us that we were on the right path, that there is a need for this. And so this year with everything kind of opening up a little more in-person conferences, going back to the norm post-pandemic, uh, we we started looking around for like, where can we get a venue to for us all to meet? And so you know, it made the most sense for a lot of reasons to pair with SAEM because uh, they they are very welcoming to us and they are very multidisciplinary on the scale of EM pharmacy or I'm sorry, EM organizations. Uh, and so I think that it will be a great partnership. I think, you know, this is the first year that we're having an in-person conference and we hope to grow it every year from there. And so I'm really excited to um, get to see everybody in person, get to meet people in person for the first time. Like Jimmy, I don't think we've ever met in person before. So, you know, it'll be um, a lot of uh, a lot of networking, which I think is one of those intangible things that you get out of a conference that you can't get behind a screen. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it should be a really exciting event. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, you're, you're, uh, you're absolutely right in terms of one, I, I think the intangible thing really stuck out to me as, as well. Uh, just because there's so many side conversations that end up happening or ideas that form over adult beverages at, uh, the watering hole, as uh, I'll say it, you know, in case you don't, I, 
I've been in trouble before there, assuming that all EM pharmacists uh, like to in, indulge in beverages. But, um, you know, I, 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 those type of things are just in the camaraderie that's built in those situations as well. It's really hard to, like you said, we, we finish the educational sessions on online with Zoom and there's just none of that sort of um, sort of decompressing uh, mm -hmm. opportunity that can happen post uh, educational session. And so having a place that where we can all gather and network together in our place, that's our, uh, you know, I keep saying ours, like a, a possessive type of thing. And I really do feel like uh, EM pharmacists in general have really clung to that. So I do applaud uh, Megan and Jimmy on that in terms of finding a spot where we can all come together and, and, and I don't think it can be undersold just exactly how big this is to have that opportunity. And I'll say it again, shout out SAEM. That's a super uh, awesome opportunity for us. Um, you know, I think the other thing that I like the opportunity of, of this conference is that EM pharmacists in general are, uh, they're a little bit different personality mm -hmm. than most other pharmacists. And so we can show people that we can still have a professional conference, great education, where you're not in a three-piece suit, right? <laughs> so uh, I, I had the fortune of, of presenting at uh, mid-year this past year uh, or in whatever it was this last year. And uh, I actually presented it in a Santa shirt and got some pretty funny looks. And so, I, you know, it's just these opportunities of being able to just be relaxed and, and have that atmosphere that promotes uh, taking the content seriously, but not the person too seriously. So. Uh, I'm, I'm again, I'm extremely thankful to, to you two and the rest of the planning committee uh, for, for putting together, uh, you know, this this wonderful conference and this wonderful opportunity for us all to gather. And just like you said, even if it's just meeting for the first time and networking and, and building uh, and continually building those relationships that we can call upon each other. Yeah, Absolutely. Be if I can add one more thing, you know, we're, we're starting this uh, and we want the younger generation. We want the current residents and the new practitioners to get really excited about this and get involved. You know, like this is the place where we can kind of grow up the future leaders of EM pharmacists. And, you know, I've seen a lot of that. I've been a part of that a lot through SCCM. And I'm really excited to kind of build that place within EM practice um, through SAEM. And so I think that uh, that is sort of one of those intangible things about meeting in person and hopefully inspiring uh, the, the next generation, if you will, of learners and um, new practitioners to get involved and then continue to carry the torch uh, and make it even better every year. Absolutely. I think so if you're a new learner listening to this, this is an open invitation for you to come talk to us. Because mm -hmm. I feel like Absolutely. all the time when we go to mid-year or SCCM, learners just come up like kind of tentatively, like they're bothering us. You're not bothering us. Come say hello. We want to, we want to talk to you. So anyway, that's my soapbox. Perfect. I think one of the things, uh, the qu quick story I had last year, I did the Fun in the Sun tour. And one of the coolest things that, that came out of this was that when I was in Atlanta, Stephanie Wong flew from, from Stockton, California and met us there. And we had a great, ep we had a great podcast episode. That was great. But the cool part that came out of that was there was also a SNAFA AFA, um, conference going on as well. I knew one of the guys that when I was SNAP for president and I, I said, hey, let's go meet up with this person here. Went, met up with him. He happened to be sitting beside someone who worked at the pharmacy school where she wanted to teach at. So we're sitting there having a conversation. They start a conversation. Oh, wow. We, we want some um, adjunct faculty. They start going back and forth. 
next week later, she's sending me the, her picture as her being uh, kind of her new role with with that pharmacy school that she was looking for. Again, she flew already from California. And then the person that was literally sitting in her backyard was sitting right beside her. And I think those kind of things are phenomenal. That same time frame, I'm sitting and talking to someone who's going to be my current boss right now. So, again, it's like just going and being in, in these environments. It's just one session. Again, one session being with someone for 30 minutes led to opportunities for me and her to have new jobs. And it was just one day. So I think these are the things that people don't think about. And it's just so organic and it's such a, a great opportunity to be in person. Um, so we're looking forward to that for this year, but also just again, moving forward for the next years. And I think that's something that I really want to emphasize is like you can't you, you can't even tell how valuable these things would be. So um, thanks for everyone's coming in person. If you're virtual, we're going to definitely have a great session for you guys as well. And the chat from last year was fire. So we, we're going to have to actually build a whole separate, you know, component for the, the handle the chat. Someone's entire job for this conference is to watch the chat. So that that's how great it was. So if you guys are listening, um, don't be charlatans. You definitely show up and, and, and be involved in that. And I, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna close it out there. I, I want to just recap, you know, some of the things that we talked about today, as far as like pharmacists being in, involved in in research. Again, us not necessarily being EM pharmacists having a, a little less than three percent representation in, in EM guidelines, which is going to change. Uh, we we have the people in place, we have the knowledge in place, and I believe at this point moving forward, we have the voice in place to make those things happen. Um, Again, any any final closing out words for you guys when it comes to the episode and just the, the future? I think the future is super bright, especially with you guys leading us. Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, no, I want to end on a positive note because though this was kind of, you know, a disparaging comment that led us to have these side conversations and decide to do this, I think that the response, as Brian mentioned, was amazing. Uh, the physicians coming to our defense was amazing. The you know, next generation of people coming up through EM are very excited and very motivated. And uh, so I think, you know, you know, with the conference coming up with more EM pharmacists getting organized with research and national organizations, I think our future is very bright. Well, I wasn't like too thrilled with someone talking shit about us, but anytime that it does and it leads to me hanging out with two of my buddies. I'm all right <laughs> with it. I'm getting to talk pharmacy. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can find other positive things just to roll up and have another one of these like powwow jets. Maybe on episode 200, we can, we can get reconvene and <laughs> come hang out. But no, I'm, ex- I'm extremely optimistic. Uh, you know, that, like I said, and, and, and to reiterate what, what Megan said, having everyone sort of rush to our defense without really asking for it was so, it was just amazing to see. And, I think the future is really bright. I think that we have a, a lot of things to look forward to put this sort of post uh, post pandemic and uh, uh, or you know I've, or whatever you want to call it in, in the new norm. Um, I think we have a lot of of bright opportunities or a lot of opportunities, a lot of work ahead, but certainly a lot of opportunities that maybe weren't there five, six, seven years ago. Yep. Super excited. And I did invite that particular person to be part of this episode. Um, she very nicely declined. But I, I will say that one, one of the things that, that, that came from the direct message between her, she said, I do wish you the best and EM pharmacists are amazing. So I do greatly applaud that you're educating and helping to develop to fill up even more with your projects. I hope we cross paths and get to shake your hand one day. So again, I want to close out on that, close out on the fact that EM pharmacists are dope. Okay, let's just go ahead and say it out there. We can be dope at the 
bedside. We can be dope on the guidelines. We can be dope at your party. And we actually, we, we kind of like dope dealers, to be honest, you know, legalized dope <laughs> dealers. So again, we can kind of say it however you want to. But guys, we can go ahead and close out the same way, guys. You don't have to be a pharmacist. You're not working at ED. But everything you do, make sure you pharmacist. <laughs>